Patty Apostle, first of all, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm very well. You're very excited. You to have be multiple here. titles. <laughs> we can call you with the Cordova Republican Party, a GOP strategist, a community organizer, but a Republican version of it. Yes. You do a lot. Oh, well, thank you. And then Antoine Bohannon. Antoine, good morning to you. It's been a second since I've seen you. Good morning. Just been out traveling, helping in the community. Um, anywhere my hands find to do good work, we do good work. How has that been? Because you are a family man, first of all. Yes. Right? Like family is super important to you, which it should be. Number two, you're running for office. Still? No? Okay. We'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> Three, you are traveling the country. Biggest right now is you're headed to Mar-a-Lago in a couple days. Oh, yes. It's going to be wonderful. Telsey Gabbard is going to be the speaker, and I'm going to get a chance to say some words on behalf of veterans of the state of Tennessee. So I'm actually on the program there. Really? Yes. And the first time to Mar-a-Lago? I mean, that's like the president's mansion. Yes. Actually, this is the third time. Three, three times at Mar-a-Lago? <laughs> you better check yourself because I bet the FBI is watching you very, very closely, Antoine. <laughs> okay, so not every day you get invited to Mar-a-Lago. I'm still waiting for my invite. I'm and hoping the, to get in behind Todd. And the family loves it, especially the kids. Awesome. Okay, so let's talk a couple local issues, then we'll go state, then we'll go national, and then we'll wrap up with some fun topics. Oh, yeah. Okay. So we have an update on this pastor that was shot. It was awful. Uh, Um, Just a devastating story. He was outside of his church. It was Sunday morning, 9 o'clock in the morning. Pastor Clemmy Livingston. Well, now we're hearing from the wife of the pastor for the first time, giving us all an update on his condition. I want you to take a listen to this in cut number 15, please. Right now, his jaw is nailed together just to hold it together. It's very painful. He doesn't look anything like my husband. My husband's not the same, will never be the same. Uh, It wasn't just a gunshot wound. It's more serious than people know. When the bullet hit, it shattered his entire jaw. So where's that bone is supposed to be straight? It's more like a lot of little pieces of rocks. So that's, that's unrepairable. He never talked to anybody. He never went to anybody. He didn't try to stop anything. He didn't deserve that. He didn't confront anybody. It's pretty gripping, isn't it? Oh, that is really sad. Um, Where, again, he is a pastor. He's been doing the Lord's work for years. And a couple more details. She said that he had gotten into the church. He did not confront because the official report was that he tried to stop these criminal thugs from stealing one of his parishioners, actually the Sunday school teacher's car. That was not the case. He walked out. He heard a commotion. That is when he heard multiple gunshots and one went right through his jaw. Oh, things like that really breaks my heart because the church is essentially the center of the community. And right now, when you have individuals that are not actually respectful of the church, that just shows you the level of things in our city. And what's fascinating about this is this is just one of the latest shootings in our city after we got word that there was a seven day ceasefire with the gangs in our city. That was one of the biggest stories that we're recapping on this Friday morning. I'll take you back to. The mayor, Paul Young, he came out over the weekend, said that they had brokered this deal with gang leaders in the city of Memphis. It was a seven-day ceasefire. 
they agreed to set down their guns for a couple different things. The bargain for them was they needed more opportunities in the city. I'll take you back. Here's a little bit of that timeline. Cut number nine. And my ask for them in that conversation was, can we get a seven-day ceasefire? Just seven days where there's no shooting, no killing. And they said, yeah, we would be willing to do that. And they gave me a couple of caveats. The other thing they said was, well, you know, our young guys, they need money. They need money in their pockets. That's the way you can change it. We don't have programs at, at our community centers. We don't have things to do. So we go out, we steal cars, and we ride around with our friends. I never would imagine that the mayor would be talking to us directly. If you come to our hood, if you come over there and ask them to put the guns down, they will do it because they never seen anybody like you in their community talking directly to them. I want to talk to any and all. Um, and so that's part of our overarching holistic strategy. When people aren't heard, this is what you're going to get. When people are asking for things and we're not meeting them and listening to them, they're going to find a way to get your attention. And I'm pretty sure they have everyone's attention right now. All right, Patty, what do you make of it? Do we broker deal with do we broker a deal with these gang leaders in the city of Memphis and will it be effective in reducing our crime? So it's complex, right? Uh, the gangs is only one component of the crime. Uh, everybody's saying, well, seven days cease fire from the gangs. But what about all the domestic violence? What about all the other regular criminals that are out there um, stealing that car? to get maybe a couple hundred bucks to put in their pocket to feed their family or feed themselves or something along those lines. So it's nice that they have this big press conference and said, hey, we're going to sit down with the leaders of the criminal element here, but they're not really getting to all the criminal elements here. So that's only one aspect of it. And then, of course, then if you break it all down, what about, the opportunities that are presented to them mm-hmm. on a day-to-day basis. Every one of those children have a school assigned to them. Why are they not, why are they not in school? Mm-hmm. What, where are the parent, parents in this situation where what are these children doing and why are they involved in gangs to begin with? You know, So there, there's a lot more complexity to this all and just having a big press conference going, yay, we all get to sit down and... <laughs> And I'm going to control all aspects of crime. Uh, it's unrealistic. I agree with you. And this has split the city of Memphis. You have people that love to see the mayor going to the hood. That's what it is. And then you have other people. I would be in this ladder camp that says we don't sit down with these people and broker a deal like building them another community center because we've got a lot of those. And that has not worked in the last 60 years. No, community centers is, again, taking away parents' responsibility, right? Because you're shipping your kids off instead of saying, hey, I'm responsible for these kids when they're not in school. The police, so. chief, the police chief says we're still waiting for the data to come back. Has this actually been effective? Antoine, what do you make of it? Just like Patty mentioned, this is a multi-leveled type of it, right? When you talk about parents, the average mother... For a single child is probably 17, 18. Uh, grandmothers are in their 40s. Great-grandmothers are, you know, in their early 60s. So 
This is like kids raising kids. So for a seven-week sit-down, I applaud the mayor. Great job at least starting the conversation. However, it's not just for him. It is every elected official that have to get out and about because it's often and you have to be consistently present in the area. If you are in charge, military card, AR, area of a responsibility, if you're spending majority of your time as an elected official sitting around doing meetings all day, then you are failing at your job as a leader. You should be early and often in these areas helping out, consistently being present. That's right. And isn't it a job of the elected officials? I mean, everybody has their breakdown of their their sphere of influence. But if you're the mayor, you should be having a rotation and going around and talking to the people in the communities. So, you know. That to say, oh, well, this is like historic because awesome. he went and talked to a few people. I mean, shouldn't he be talking to everybody? There's also this notion that a lot of these young people, and we'll get into the city council because they are furious with Senator Brent Taylor. Like they have declared war on Brent Taylor because he's gone to the state and said, <laughs> yeah, you are not going to pass this ban on pretextual traffic stops because the, stu- the studies and the empirical evidence is suggesting these young people are not scared of cops. If you're scared oh, of not. cops, you're not going to take over the streets off airways and shut down traffic for hours. This keeps on happening. So this idea that these poor, poor children are just, first of all, they don't have food. They don't have resources. And then they're also terrified of law enforcement. That's not what we're dealing with. You know what? It's crazy because I really love how people can talk for a certain sector of people, but you haven't grown up with them or even been around them to understand. Memphis is it's a microcosm, right? Your family members are actually part of the police force, part of the fire department, your cousin, your brother, your, your nephew, your niece. So in that aspect, everybody generally knows everyone. And Now, I applaud Brent. Brent is trying to do everything he can. But what we need to do from a state level and a local level is, one, put aside the the DNR. Right. Let's put the politics out of the way. Secondly, what laws work? Because we can't handicap the police and tell them they can't do certain things because of incidents that's happened. They are horrible. Cannot stress that enough. However, the majority of crimes can be preventive. And that part, I think that's where Brent is coming from. Say, okay, let's give the tools to the law enforcement so they can do what they want to do. But the local elected officials who are boots on the ground are saying we can't come with that amount of pressure because of the bad PR that may happen. The things that are happening around. So therefore, the only way to be able to get that is one, Everybody has to come together and everybody come together, not in a, in a meeting room somewhere, but actually go to the areas you're trying to affect. And I think that's what J.B. Smiley was trying to say in his clip was we are elected by the people. So we know what laws work. So until we get to a point where we can just have that open because it's all about relationship building. Right. Well, but I want to touch on something you said. You said J.B. Smiley knows what laws work. Well, they're not working here. I I the yes. news flash. Yes. JB Smiley, the law is not working here. There are a lot of laws on the books that the cops 
are not allowed to enforce. And that's just crazy talk it was to me. It was, it was a knee-jerk reaction in the post of Tyree Nichols. I think we will look back on this yes. historically and say we made a mistake. Um, and there are ramifications for this. I've been down at 201 Poplar since. I was just down there two weeks ago. And you have... Did you get a ticket? Are I, you arrested? No, I didn't. <laughs> I was being nosy Nancy. And I went into all of the criminal courts and I have my little notebook and I wanted to know all of the judges that were AWOL and actually there delivering justice. I took names. And so there were two officers that took the stand because they had pulled over a violent perpetrator. And the defense for that criminal had said, why did you pull over him in the first place? I mean, grilling these police officers. Did you have a reason to? And what those officers said was, we saw that their tags were out. And what this ultimately would do if the city council gets their way is stop police officers from being able to pull over that criminal that had these drive-out tags. Inside that car, it was stolen, and there was so much paraphernalia, it was unbelievable. The cocaine, the marijuana, and we got that guy off the street. But it was because of a pretext or traffic stop. And that's the concern. What do you want? Do you want a state or a, a city council that coddles these criminals because of writing the wrong of slavery and what happened to Tyree Nichols? Because this is what it all goes back to or get that person off the street and prevent a victim of crime. That's what it comes down to. Well, and, and if you think about Tyree Nichols, even aren't the officers who are involved, haven't they been arrested? Yes. OK, so they've been charged with a crime, too. So one wrong doesn't make make it right we've got the we've got the response by jb smiley appreciate you antoine bringing that up on the other side we'll jump into that because the activists are furious at brent and brent is responding and punching back as he should he's a fighter and we need more of those in shelby county we'll be right back don't go away it's only been 10 years since we was a democrat and welcome back to the morning show glad to have my friends in studio and Great to have all of our friends and our listening audience out there joining us on this Friday with Friends Hour. Joined by Patty Postle and Antoine Bohannon. Now, Antoine, we're going to make a little bit of news. Maybe the folks know, maybe they don't. You were, past tense, running for congressional seat, District 9. Yes. That was against Steve Cohen. Yes, it was. What happened? Well, as I started doing my, my research, you know, generally when you want to do something. So I spent... The off year, traveling here, Nashville, Knoxville, different political parties, try to get a, a feel for things. And what I started to see was we are a little fractured as a party. And the numbers for voting points directly to that. We have to find ways to energize the base. And how do we energize the base post-pandemic? We have to get out, not just the candidates. Because the candidate is one person. Case in point, in my instance, there's 683,000 people in the 9th District. Do you think I can get out in an area that is 68% Democrat and just do it all by myself? They said, work hard, work hard. Um, You can work hard, but you also got to work smarter. And it's a collective group. It is a team effort. And when I tell people that I'm a Republican, when I was out knocking on doors, and they asked the question, well, why are you a Republican? Why are you not a Democrat? So I answered that. And now we get to a point of 
who's better, the Democratic Party or the Republican Party. But the only thing you can do is downgrade the other side just to make yourself look good. And it was at that point I was like, you know what? Something is broken from a military standpoint. We have to go back to the drawing board and strategize. How do we reach the young people who are 18 to 35, Mm -hmm. right? What interests them? And right now, as a party, we're not doing that. We're trying, but we have a lot of the, how do I say, old strategies that's not working post-pandemic. There was no question it was a David to Goliath type of race, right, to unseat an incumbent, Steve Cohen, who, I mean, how long has he been in that seat? 14 years. My God. Um, And then to be a Republican and try to take him down in District 9, it was going to be very difficult. Yes. But what do we do with that seat? Do we just go home? Or, Patty, is there a way to find a candidate or someone that would be able to grab those Democrats, grab those Republicans, looking at the early numbers of early voting, my God, it was down considerably from 2020. Less than 5% of the county's registered voters cast their votes during the early uh, period compared to 22% in 2020. Yes. Well, it's not an exciting Super Tuesday, right? Neither party is really enthusiastic because either you're a Democrat and you're going in and you're pulling a ballot and going, well, I can vote for Joe or I can vote for Joe or I cannot vote. And then, of course, on the Republican side, we had choices, but outside of uh, Nikki Haley, who obviously is not picking up enough traction, it's we have Trump or we have Trump. So, you know, people are like, well, why should I go vote? because there really isn't any contest. So that is part of the problem, too, is because so many decisions are made before the people even have a choice, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I'm, I'm very bummed on the national level that the top at least four should have stayed in the race at least until Super Tuesday. But then as a former candidate, I also understand that it takes an awful lot of money, energy, and and everything else. And when the numbers are not there, they're not there. And so do you keep climbing, you know, that vertical cliff, right? Because if the numbers aren't there and you don't have the financial backing, then you're just spinning your wheels. Yeah. Another thing about the numbers. All right. We say the numbers, but there is a reason why our numbers are the way they they are. It's because our party is not gainfully employed continually in the areas where we need to be. And that's from a myriad of different reasons. I'm not saying that the outreach program or anything is not doing a good job. What we need to look at is, do we have the individuals, the foot soldiers to get out in the areas that we need to touch? And then how do we get involved? And the way that I started is we started in Bing Hampton working with homeless veterans that are out there. You have to sow the seeds early and often, not just during the election cycle. Well, yeah. there's that, but there's also, if, if you go back to, to my story too, nobody even knew if I was a Republican or Democrat, right? Because I came up through grassroots, yes. very specific issue and impacted all people, right? And Property. just for the listeners, you were running state rep, right? Right. So I ran as uh, Tennessee District 96, which is not 96 now. Um, now I'm in 83, but I didn't move. Um, but 
uh, I was fighting for property rights for the people because I thought it was an injustice that yes. we woke up to a newspaper article saying we were annexed into the city of Memphis. So when I came out and put my name in the hopper, so many of my neighbors are like, oh my gosh, I didn't know you were a Republican. And then even in, in the experience. Was that a chip against you? Or was that a bad thing? Or was well, it Well, just- in their eyes, that was a bad thing. They're like, how, can, how in the world can you be a Republican? You're for us. And I'm like, that is it right there. Our messaging that right. we are very sympathetic. Right. Well, I mean, we're hardworking people. Yes. And, and I'll never forget um, in 2019, uh, I was helping one of the city council people and this band of women came up from one of the sororities and uh, they were trying to get out the vote. And uh, they stopped their like little parade at the Agri Center and the one go gal goes oh my god oh my god it's patty possel everybody this is patty possel she's my neighbor she's so fabulous absolutely fabulous so of course i turned it around and said hey can you vote for me and she's like oh no you're a republican okay so we we've got to change the messaging that's the takeaway from this segment all right so how do we do that we'll have that conversation on the other side also we'll touch on some national and state politics these two are sticking around and i hope you do as well but we'll be right back And welcome back to the morning show, guys. Glad to have you on the program. We're going to pick up the conversation with all of you guys. I see your comments. We're going to read through some of those. There's, there goes the phone. Um, so let's jump back into JB Smiley's comments where there is a feud going on between the city council and then Senator Brent Taylor. The activists obviously are teaming up with um, JB Smiley, the folks on the city council. And then fortunately, Senator Taylor does not care. All right, so let me read this statement by J.B. Smiley Jr., the city councilman, on this ordinance that would ban pretextual traffic stop. Brent has gone to Nashville and said, we're going to actually ban you from banning. All right, make it make sense, but it does. The Memphis City Council, J.B. writes, is comprised of duly elected members of Memphis community who are charged with enacting legislation on behalf and for the benefit of the community we call home. The power to enact legislation and dictate policy on a local level should rest with local governments and their police chiefs. It is evident that those who live, work, eat, and worship spend their social time in a community they call home know it better than those who do not. The law enforcement challenges facing the various urban, suburban, and rural areas across the state of Tennessee differ, and therefore local leaders should be given deference. The same argument that each of you make regarding federal preemption applies here. As such, I respectfully request that you all apply that same logic in this matter and oppose what would be their ordinance in banning pretextual traffic stops. As it undermines, he continues to write in this statement, the ability of those serving in local leadership to make necessary adjustments to local policies that govern policing. Here are the activists. They went to Nashville and took this straight to Brent. Take a listen and cut number 13. There is no law or ordinance currently prohibiting police from stopping someone for speeding, reckless driving, or not wearing a seatbelt, as Representative Gillespie has previously said. These researchers found that the police department's practice of making large numbers of stops in high-crime neighborhoods did not appear to have any effect on crime. If you truly want to honor his memory, I'm asking that you oppose this bill today. They don't want to just attack traffic stops. They want to attack the entire ability for us to, to edit any kind of policies or change any kind of policies that would keep 
black Memphian safe, but also black Tennesseans or also poor white folks in rural areas, how they encounter police. So the mayor, Paul Young, also releases a statement, sends a letter to Brent, says, please, Brent, don't do this. And Brent has been on the show, the senator, multiple times and says he has a working relationship with our mayor. Here is Brent speaking to Fox 13 on the back and forth with his feud with local government. Take a listen in cut 14. Just because there's daylight between Mayor Young and myself on this doesn't mean we're not in harmony uh, on the the larger issue of reducing crime. I support Mayor Young in that effort. I I just disagree with the premise of the question that this is going to have unintended consequences. What we're talking about is the police department having full access to all lawful ways to conduct investigations and proper policing. Senator Taylor has joined our conversation on Facebook, and then I'll toss it over to you guys. He says, thank you both for your important comments about my bill to prevent local governments from banning routine traffic stops. We need to take the handcuffs off police so they can put handcuffs on criminals where they belong. I'll give you guys the last word, then we'll move on. Well, oh, I would just like to start off. One, you have to look at the recruitment numbers for the police department. Oh, they're terrible. This is a large area. So therefore, we're taking tools away. That's like being in the military when we want to downsize and understanding that most countries want to see us wiped off the face of the planet. And now we're in an environment where the police, yes, you're, you're going to have bad people everywhere you go. Do not get me wrong. However, we're down like 100 some police officers. 800. 800. Sorry. 800. 800. <laughs> so therefore, even whatever bill you pass. There's still not enough enforcement on the streets, boots on the ground to even do anything. So, one, we have to support the police. We all do. However, recruitment as elected officials, how do we get recruitment up? What incentives do we have to bring military in? So, therefore, whatever bill you put in place can be effective. And going to Puerto Rico to recruit Puerto Ricans to join the MPD did not work. And we spent a lot of taxpayer dollars doing that. Sorry to interject. Patty, go ahead. You also have to uh, think in terms of these people are committing a crime and that's why they're being pulled over. So why wouldn't you want them stopped? I mean, because the smaller crimes, if, if they're not addressed, they become bigger crimes. Isn't that why parents... You know, slap their little kids little hands because if they try to steal something from a store and it's like, no, 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 we don't do that. Right. Uh, So you you have to stop people when they're doing small things so that they don't do bigger things. And it's not like we don't have the two worlds of this playing out. What happens when you go into Germantown? Everybody slows down. You slow down immediately. Germantown, Collierville, no, Arlington. It, um, what's the little area out? They don't mess. I've gotten two traffic tickets since I've been in Memphian, and they've been in Collierville and Germantown. 45 means 45. <laughs> 45 does not mean 46. <laughs> That's right. You will be taken to the Germantown penitentiary and serve yeah. the rest of your days behind bars. Meanwhile, in Memphis, 80 is acceptable on 40. Yeah, yeah, 100%. All right, let's talk a state issue. But this is also a federal issue. You've got Congressman John Rose. He went to the House floor and he said the whole thing of buying votes with the Biden administration snubbing the Constitution, the Supreme Court said you cannot just wave a magic wand and erase all of these student debt loans for these children, and not just children, but people that go to Harvard, they get these gender studies and they rack up these huge bills. 
and slap that on the back of hardworking Tennesseans. I want you to take a listen to the congressman. We've got this in. Um, go ahead. Play that. It makes no sense for a blue-collar worker in Tennessee to be forced to pay off the college debt of a Harvard-educated doctor or lawyer. We have the freedom to choose whether to pursue higher education in this country. And you can choose to forego a four-year degree, as millions of successful Americans have done. But this administration would have you pay for the four-year degrees of others regardless of your choice. More than 100 million Americans have built a life without taking on debt. In fact, I represent thousands of Tennesseans who earn a good living without having borrowed money to do so. Furthermore, and possibly the worst aspect of all of this, is that every college graduate and every parent of a college graduate who did the honorable thing by paying off their student loans often at great sacrifice, is now being harshly punished for having done so. It's also an ugly affront to the families across this country struggling to stay afloat amid record high consumer prices as a result of Bidenflation. I urge the White House to end this cycle of adding billions to our debt with the stroke of a pen. Just as the Supreme Court determined last June, this kind of policy must be approved by Congress before it can be implemented. The question to our listeners and to you both, should hardworking Tennesseans be forced to pay for student loans? You can no. call in 901-260-5926. What do you I, think of it? I, 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 I'm, I'm very opposed. strong. Oh, yes. I, 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 yeah. I, I have Patty's three turning kids. red. <laughs> right. I have three kids who all borrowed money to go to school, um, who all have paid it off. And one of my three kids is poor, and she still paid her, her debt off. If she can do it, anybody can do it. So if you borrow money, then you need to pay it back because you borrowed the money. Are they and, paying off mortgages as well? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, let's, let, and let's talk about student loans yes. in general. When I went to school in the dark ages in the <laughs> 1980s, before I know for Ben Aver. was even probably born, you got a student loan for tuition, yes, for books, and that's it. No extras. I mean, you didn't get to go on spring break. You, we all had jobs that <laughs> supplemented that student loan because that student loan did not pay for all of your expenses to go to college. So... Now, you have these predatory lenders that, oh, you need $40,000 even though your tuition is only 20000 because, oh my gosh, you can't go to class and work. And you don't want to live with your annoying roommate, so let's give you off-campus housing, and oh, then they fork over yes. that as well. Right. Yes. I mean, uh, living in a dorm with a shared bathroom? Oh my gosh. How, how, how can I survive? I have zero sympathy for individuals who cannot pay their student loans. I was in the military for 21 years. I got two degrees and I let my wife use my 911 bill so she can get her degree. And so therefore. But you have to pay it for yes. those people. Uh, no, 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 no. Hey, look, my, <laughs> my oldest son is currently in the, in the Space Force, uh, computer engineering. Awesome. He paid his own student loans and is currently paying his student loans because he went the path that understood the greatest success of his economic degree. And that was the military. So figure it out. Well, it's interesting because this is an effort to 
get votes. I, I, there's no question because Politico had this piece, and this makes me really angry because in the email that they sent to over 153 student loan borrower, borrowers, excuse me, in the email, it says, I am canceling your debt, Joe Biden writes. I hope this relief gives you a little more breathing room. XOXO Joe Biden. That's an actual email, except for the XOXO part. Um, that is unbelievable. Do people because under- it actually works? Because I am younger, and I have a lot of these friends that have been the beneficiary. A couple of them, and they love the guy for this. Even though it hasn't happened for a lot of them, they think that this is going to happen. That their student loans will be forgiven. Thus, we give a vote to Joe Biden. Do you understand where money actually comes from in the government? It comes from you, the taxpayer. Whether you get got now or later, nothing is free in America. So therefore, if you're saying you're going to forgive my student loan, guess what? It's going to be offset somewhere else. It's called a trade-off. Oh, because they're freaking out now because it costs them an arm and a leg to go to Wendy's. How do you think that happened? Okay, the inflation is a tax. It, it, it is. Inflation is a tax. You think that there are these tax cuts for the low middle working class? No, no. it is just it's increasing not. your cost to go to the grocery store. I mean, let's talk about the grocery store, for example. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to Whole Foods, Patty. I'm going to Kroger and Aldi. And even there, I'm literally digging deep into the pocketbook, the wallet, to I pay know, for these groceries. You're starting to say... How many ways can I fix spaghetti? You know, because, <laughs> well, because noodles are less expensive. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, hamburger know. helper. Yeah. That was our jam. Without any hamburger, right? Well, just, no hamburger. Just a little, little vegan, helper. Vegan helper. No, no, see, no. See, my helper. dad was a pastor, and with, like the luxury for us was being able to go to McDonald's and order something other than um, the dollar menu. And then we never got anything outside of water. Like that was like the trademark of being a PK. Yeah. I'll take water. I'll yeah. take water. We never got pop. So anyways, um, this is just crazy. We'll take a break. We'll slip in a break. We'll come back. Get to some more topics. Yes. Sound good? All right, Absolutely. let's do that. We'll be right back. And welcome back to the morning show. Joined for the last segment with our friends panelists I was telling Todd do we turn this into like a Fox and Friends do we just get a big curvy couch and put it in the studio oh that'd be good. great Patty Possel and Antoine Bohannon sticking around for the last segment so this news breaking out of Middle Tennessee Congressman Mark Green who had said he was going to retire at the end of his current term after all was said and done, he is not going to be retiring. And here Yay. is his full statement. It's incredible. Yeah. I guess the president of the United States, Donald Trump, was in his ear. Here's what he said. While my strong desire was to leave Congress at the end of this year, since my announcement, I have received countless calls from constituents, colleagues, and from President Trump urging me to reconsider. I was, I was reminded of the words of General MacArthur on a statue at West Point. Duty, honor, and country. Mm. I realized once again I had a duty to my country to fulfill. I will be running for re-election so I can be here on day one next year to help President Trump end this border crisis once and for all. What do you make of it? Outstanding. I love it. Outstanding. Uh, there were rumors that this he was doing this because he's going to run for governor. He could still right run for governor yeah, and governor's finish his race, term. Uh, governor's race isn't you know until twenty twenty six, so he can go ahead and do at least one more term, if not two more terms, right before 
then he'd have to choose. In 2026, he would have to choose between the two seats. And with him leading the effort to impeach Mayorkas in the House, I mean, the guy's got the name recognition across the state. You were pointing this out as a veteran, Antoine. Um, He's got the veteran vote. I mean, this guy has an easy shot at being the next governor of Tennessee. Not only that, he's extremely nice and approachable. He can hug you. You can see him in Kroger's. You can see him everywhere, and he's going to talk to you and spend time with you. He's not arrogant at all. He is somebody that can relate to everyone. And he's always been for the people. I have found him to be a very honorable person. I worked with him um, when he was just a state senator, and and he fired questions at other panelists for the people. Mm -hmm. I mean, he understood where the people were, and he's for boots on the ground. The everyday person. Let's talk national real quick. New polling coming out showing, and this according to a Bloomberg News Morning Consult Swing State Voter Survey published on Thursday, showing Trump is leading Biden in seven swing states as more than 80% of Americans say President Biden is too old. Well, the White House is trying to get ahead of this. He went to Walter Reed, got a checkup, and here is what they're saying about his cognitive test in cut number 17. You know, the president doesn't need a cognitive test. That is not my assessment. That is not my assessment. That is the assessment of the president's doctor. Uh, that is also the assessment of the neurologist uh, who has also made that assessment as well. And, you know, and you have heard us say this, and I'll reiterate this, the president's doctor has said if you look at what this president, the president who is also the commander in chief, he passes a cognitive test every day, every day, as he moves from one topic to another topic, try, understanding the granular level of these topics. You saw him talk about uh, fighting crime today. Tomorrow he's going to go to the border. Next week he's going to give a State of the Union address. And so we have to keep that in mind. Uh, this is a very rigorous job, uh, and uh, the president has been able to do to this job every day for the past three years and let's not forget he is also leading a historic uh, president so that is the messaging coming out of the white house gaslighting can we define gaslighting because he passes it every single day well okay who goes to the border and talks about climate joe biden okay well and he calls people like me neanderthals which i last check that was a racist thing to say um, because people yeah, I think people it. canceled. People, yeah, we know they, people they have been fired. Canceled. Exactly. <laughs> and another thing, you're not going to tell your boss that that he's crazy. So him going to Walter Reed and everybody say, "Oh yeah, you passed the test." No one's going to say nobody took. He didn't take the he test. Never, he never even took the test. He, <laughs> he took never the physical took the test, and then they declined to give him a cognitive test. Right, which is insanity yes. in its in and of itself. Right? Why wouldn't you test people who are over eighty? All right, let's be conspiracists this morning. Do you think there is a plan B? Or do they, do you think they run this guy all the way to the end, to November? That's a plan B. There's a plan B. It's, it's somebody who doesn't want to go through the rigors of a primary. They're going to work it out at the DNC, who, whoever you know emerges from the DNC. I, here's my conspiracy theory. <laughs> so Biden <laughs> drops out. Okay. And then... Or dies. Or <laughs> dies. They make Miss Harris president... And they asked Michelle Obama to be vice president so she doesn't have to go through a primary. Oh, that's interesting. She doesn't want to go. She doesn't want to do the rigors of a primary. Exactly. But have her on as the vice president. And because Kamala is a queen, she would never be upstaged by Michelle. I think she's going to get sidelined. Really? Once she's Uh. president. 
and then she'll drop out, and no, that no, makes no, Michelle no. Obama. I think the president. I think they'll get rid of Kamala before. Really? Yeah, I do. I think she would bring down the entire tent. She would go away screaming racism. I mean, she literally looked at well, her. Well, I mean, how how can she scream racism if Michelle's the one that steps up? I mean, that's, you know, that's she's a, a female. And, and last time I checked, they're the same color. Okay. So, you know. so, so let's talk about the Republican side. Patty, you seemed a little bit frustrated that we are with President Trump. Do you feel that way? I like choices. Okay. So, you know, I, that's okay. I'm an artist. I like you know, color. You like variety. Yes. Yeah, I like variety. Options. I like. So I, I like hate to break it to you, Patty, but there will be no options. So it will be Trump. <laughs> so if you are a woman that we love to talk about, right? The suburban white woman in America. That's you. That's Hello, me, Patty. That's me. And small business owner. Don't so, so who does Trump pick up to make you happy? Me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we got a Trump puzzle ticket. <laughs> yeah. Why not? <laughs> me personally. I would say Telsey Gabbard. Oh. Do you think that would do enough? Yes. To get independence? Because he needs some independence. Well, it's not about the independence. She is actually a great person. So being stationed in Hawaii for 14 years, I had a chance to meet her several times when she was a delegate there. So an elected official there. So therefore, I understand her military mindset. I understand she is not about far left, far right. She is for the people. So when you need that sound barometer... That is not going to throw people to a left or to a right. That will be the great. And you will have a vice president who is effective. Hmm. All right, Patty, I'll give you the last word. You've got 30 seconds. What do you make of that? And who really would you like? I mean, other than yourself. Uh, Abbott. I would love Governor to Greg see. Abbott. I would love to see Greg Abbott step up and uh, be VP. Wow. So that was a news headline that came out yesterday where President Trump was asked, is Governor Abbott on the shortlist? He said, I can't confirm that he is. That, that is a great pick. So well. yeah. way yeah. to end. I mean, that, what a fabulous governor. Yeah. All right. Good stuff. Thank you both. Yeah. Wasn't it fun? Yes, oh, it, it was. totally fun. It Thank goes you so by much. very fast. We'll do it again next Friday with a couple more friends of the show. We don't discriminate. We invite <laughs> our Democrat friends and I'm working on a couple. So stand by for that.